Open our Bibles to the book of um, to the book of Psalm chapter ninety. The book of Psalm chapter ninety. Thank the Lord for uh, Sister Claire helping in the piano <laughs> to cover the absence of um, Adrian. I encourage all our young people to learn piano, you know, study and learn piano. All of you should learn piano. <laughs> we just need more pianists. All right, Psalm chapter 90, let's read this responsibly. I will read verse number 1, you respond verse number 2, all the way to verse number 17. There are 17 verses to this, and uh, let's read this responsibly, and we'll see the magnificence, we see the greatness of God, but at the same time we can see the frailty of man in this, um, the book of Psalm chapter 90. Let's uh, um, have a good look on this uh, chapter, chapter 90, verse number 1 to 17. I will read verse number 1, you respond verse number 2, Lord... Thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. <clears throat> Thou turnest man to, the, to destruction and sayest, Return, ye children of men. Thou carriest them away as with a flood, they are as asleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up, in the evening it is cut down and withered. For we are consumed by, thy, by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are three score years and ten. And if by reason of strength they may be fortunate years, yet the strength they were in sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fight. Who knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. Return, O Lord, how long, and let it repent thee concerning thy servants. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us, and the years wherein we have seen evil. <coughs> Together, verse 17, And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. Our Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, uh, for this beautiful passage of Scripture in the book of Psalm, chapter 90. Bless us, O God, as we go through these verses and help us, Lord, to understand. And I pray, O God, that this will be a blessing to uh, many of us, if not all, and also, Lord, um, um, allow us to understand and, and pick up some and glean some um, um, beautiful um, instruction from here. And Lord, bless your people now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Please be seated. The greatness of God is displayed here in this chapter as well as the frailty of man. So that is our title this morning. And um, th this book of uh, Psalm chapter 90 is really... Uh, this, displaying here the greatness of God, greatness, greatness of God. I remember, um, I I remember that um, I read that um, story of King Philip II. King Philip II was the father of Alexander the Great. If you if you know him, he's very popular. Uh, almost everyone knows Alexander the Great, and King Philip was the king of Macedon at the time. And uh, King Philip was always accompanied by two men. I don't know if it's true or but if it's just a story, but it's a very interesting story. But uh, King Philip II was always accompanied by two men. 
And these men, they have very um, interesting duty to do every single day. One man would say to King Philip in the morning, and he would say, Philip, remember that thou art but man. That every single day, he will say that to King Philip. And the other person, the other person will come to him in the evening and will say to him, Philip, have you remembered that you are but a man? King Philip, I don't know if it was his design to remind him so that perhaps his ego and his pride will, will go above, you know, God. And he, want, he wanted it to temper his ego. And someone should remind him that he is just but flesh. He is just but human being. I believe sometimes, you know, when people will, will gain so much um, achievements in life, um, they will forget that they are just but human being. And I think um, um, sometimes we need to be reminded about this reality. Because even not so successful people, they have pride in themselves. And it's normal. I mean, it's a, it's a human nature. And pride, we know that. It will just destroy us. And here... This Bible, I mean this text, this Psalm chapter 90, is telling us about the greatness of God and also the vanity of man. Psalm 90 is a beautiful book, a beautiful chapter. And this is somewhat parallel to, um, I think, uh, Isaiah chapter 40. But both of these, both of these chapters, one in Isaiah and one in Psalm, um, both of these present the grandeur and, and, and eternality of God. And also, uh, again, both of this compared to the frailty or the weakness of man. Now, while this psalm describes the frailty and the brevity of man's life, it also displays the realm of eternality of God. It also displays here um, the, our eternal God, as you can see straight away from verse number one. I mean, verse number two. The Bible says here that um, um, from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. The Lord our God is um, again displayed here to be a God from everlasting. And following this declared truth of, of God um, comes also this um, truth about the weakness of man. And if you follow these verses all the way along towards the end, and you will find in verse number 17, 16, uh, 16 and 17, uh, you will find that uh, there is this prayer, there is this plea from Moses. Moses is the one who wrote this. Uh, chapter. So Moses made a plea. And again, uh, this morning, um, it's very interesting to see all this, comparing the, the magnificence, the greatness of God, and compared with the frailty and the vanity of man. And again, we will look at this uh, whole chapter this morning, and if we can, if we can finish that, and I hope that we, we will do that uh, this morning. We will see, first of all, verses 1 and 2 in the book of Psalm, chapter 90. And this is about the acknowledgement that God is eternal. Our God is eternal. Moses said, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or even thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. You see, you will, you will find that our God is from everlasting. We have to always remind ourselves that our God is from everlasting. Our God has no beginning and has no ending. He is outside time. We are inside time, but God, the God that we are serving is outside time. And again, um, that will just show that our God that we're serving is an eternal God. In the coming weeks, um, we will celebrate Christmas. 
In few weeks time, the world, the entire world will celebrate uh, Christmas as a celebration of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, uh, some people, they don't matter whether that, that is the correct date or not, but we know for a fact that the Lord Jesus Christ was, you know, once upon a time came to this earth and born of a virgin. And they put a date on that, maybe, you know, uh, a questionable date, December 25, because it's winter there uh, at the birthplace. And, and Mary and Joseph walked, traveled, you know, with, with perhaps just an... Uh, you know, an oxen or whatever that the, the, they used to, to ride um, from, from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And they traveled, you know, and they arrived there evening. And it, it must be very cold if that is December 25. So again, it doesn't matter now whether it's 25 or not, as long as we know for a fact that the Lord Jesus Christ was born. And you and I know that the Lord Jesus Christ was born, but people will think that that is the beginning of Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, we know that that is not his beginning. Yeah. We know that the Lord Jesus Christ was in existence prior to his birth. He was already in existence before he was born. The Bible says, and the prophet Micah will tell us that it's really you know, true that Jesus Christ he was born, but his beginning was not there at his birth. Micah chapter 5, verse number 2. This prophet Micah wrote about the Messiah. He said, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, but and yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. So Jesus Christ was born and yet he was in existence before his birth from everlasting. In other words, there's no beginning and there's no ending. Right. Hebrews chapter 7 verse number 3. Hebrews chapter 7 verse number 3. Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God. This is Melchizedek. But he is made like the Lord Jesus Christ. Abideth priest continually. The Lord Jesus Christ is our high priest that will abide continually. John chapter 1 verse number 1. John 1 1 in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In, in verse number 14, John 1, 14, it said, And we beheld his glory as of the glory of the only begotten of the Father. Verse 14, verse 14. And we beheld his glory. Verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, God is eternal. The Lord Jesus Christ is eternal. And not just that our God is eternal, our God is the source and sustainer of life. He is sustainer of life. Go back to our text in Psalm chapter 90. <clears throat> Psalm chapter 90, the Bible says, Moses said, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or even thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Now here Moses assures us and assures every one of us, all the people in the world and every period of life, that God is also our dwelling place. We are in Him, and we dwell in Him. And to say that God is our dwelling place is also to say that, that God is our refuge. He is our defender. The Lord our God is our provider. I wonder if, you, if the rich people can realize this, that it is God who provided them. <laughs> and they will, they will, they will you know, um, 
um, reject that idea that the Lord will provide them because the moment they come into this world, some, some of them were very rich already. And, and they don't need of anything. They don't need to pray because they have all these provisions that they will just enjoy. But the, the reality of the matter is, even though how rich the person may be, the Lord is still his provider. The Lord is for us. And the Lord uh, visited this interest in our past, in our present, and also in our future. We, we dwell in Him and find in Him the divine supply to all of our needs, to all that we need in this life. The good thing is that our, our God, the Lord Jesus, we belong to Him. And He belongs to us. He is our God and we are His people. And we praise the Lord for, for, for His acceptance, for accepting us into His family by, the, by, the, by virtue of what Jesus Christ has done at the cross of Calvary. Again, um, from generation to generation, our God manifests Himself. The Lord Jesus Christ showed Himself the Eternal One and He dwells, He dwells with all of us, I mean, in, in, the, in the lives of finite men like you and me. He lives in us because He is our dwelling place. He dwells in us. He is eternal. He is our sustainer. And also, this God that I'm talking this morning is the creator of this universe. The Lord Jesus is the creator. Go back to Psalm 90 verse number 1. He said, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth, or even thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Our God has no beginning and he has no ending. And our God cannot be measured by time. The Lord cannot be measured. You cannot... You know, all of us can be measured. Um, I think Pastor Pastor David Wood uh, only live uh, only more than seventy years in, in in this life. So we measured him by years and time. But a good thing with our God, no one, not man, can measure God by time. And again, we cannot measure God by time. At the same time, we cannot explain. By our finite understanding, finite definitions of himself, God is self-sufficient. He is, um, you know, a sustainer of everything. And the fact that he condescends to man, the fact that he came down to this earth and mingled with us, you know, and dwelt among us, the Bible says, when the Lord Jesus Christ dwelt among us, the, the Lord condescends to man. But not for his sustenance, for himself. But his coming is to sustain man. His coming is to sustain. And, and, and his coming is um, for the benefit of mankind in their restlessness and also in their weakness. The majesty of our God is indefinable. No one can define him. We cannot fathom his understanding. We cannot fathom, you know, even the, the mystery of the Godhead. It's so deep. It's so immeasurable. And his presence, the blessing is real. And also, his presence is very assuring. He said, before the mountains were brought forth, or even thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, Thou art God. Before this world came into its existence, our God is already God. And wow, and He is your God, and He is my God. This Bible, this text, acknowledges that our God is eternal. And not just that our God is eternal, is also displayed in this text of the Bible, the acceptance of the brevity of man's life. Our life is short. 
He said, verse number three, Thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, Return ye children of men. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past. And as a watch in the night, thou carries them away as with a flood. They are as asleep. In the morning, they are like grass which groweth up. In the, in the morning, it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening, it is cut down and withereth. You see, from the beginning of mankind, our God revealed how man was formed. Back in Genesis chapter 2, I think verse number 7, Genesis chapter 2, verse number 7, we are told that God formed man on the dust, uh, of the dust of the ground and, and, and breathed unto his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. We know from the beginning that man was just from dust. Man came from the dust of the earth. And if you go farther to chapter 3, verse number 19, you will find that God ordained that man should return to dust. For dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. We are alive today, but I will tell you, the difference between us and the dust is just time. Time will come that will be like dust. But while we are in our being, while we have this being, why don't we serve the Lord our God? (laughs) While we can serve Him. The dust will not serve God. But you and I today can serve Him. Do not miss the opportunity because we are not going to stay here for all eternity. Time will come that we will pass on. Pastor David Wood has finished his course. And I believe, and I believe he has done it well. He ran the course well. I hope that we are here, we we still have the work uh, the Lord God wants us to do, that we will also consider that we are just but dust. King Philip, wow, I don't know whether it was his idea to remind him and to, to you know, um, um, to temper his arrogance or to temper his um, ego and pride when, when he sees all these achievements and, 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 and um, military um, accomplishments. To temper his pride. He wants someone to remind him every single day and every single night that thou art but dust. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse number 7. Ecclesiastes 12, 7. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. And this is when the man, man is separated from his soul, and the Spirit will return to God. But again, at this point, we have to remember really well. Remember that we are just, you know, dust. Remember that we are soul, the real person, the the real me, the real you, is that person that talks, the person that that thinks, the person that feels hungry, the person that, you know, uh, plan ahead. That is the real you. This, this flesh of mine is just the, sh- you know, the, 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 the shell. The real me is the one inside me. The real you is the one inside you. And that is the one that will uh, return unto God. Because when death comes to us, for sure, we will separate from our body. And right immediately, we will return. I mean, we will come in the presence of the Lord if you are saved. If you are saved, you will come in the presence of the Lord immediately after your death. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.8. 2 Corinthians 5.8, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body. Paul said, I would rather die. I would rather separate from my body so that I can be present to the Lord. He said, I would uh, willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. He understands that the moment of his death, he will leave this body behind, but his soul will report to God. His spirit will report to God immediately. But the good thing is this, that although we have no control of our life, but our God has the control of our life. Yeah. Our God 
is the one that controls life and death. It is God who governs and controls the life and the death of all mankind. Again, all of us that know Dr. David Wood are surprised of his passing. Because he was seemingly jolly and lively and a very active, very fit, is very strong. But again, when he passed away a few days ago, I was surprised. And all of us that, that I know, those people also that know him, we're all surprised. He was a good friend of ours, good friend to our ministry, a good friend to me personally. And, and he's a gr great leader. He's a great mentor. He's a, he's a, he's a, uh, a leader in the ministries. And again, no one, I never really thought that, you know, the, the, this, this, um, this is the day where uh, he, would, he would go. Because, as I said to you just a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, we sent our um, donation to them. So that they can, they can uh, minister to those people who are really in need in places like um, uh, India, Papua New Guinea. Because they go to so many places. And uh, they work so hard. So we sent our donation. Our church will always make, we have a name there. Our church is known there. And now we heard that he is gone. We would love to see him still in the ministry with us. We would love to see him work along with us and continue working in the fields of worldwide evangelism and evangelization. And he will, he will continue in that, um, uh, you know, motivating people. He, he will continue to um, drive people to do more and continue hard and, and uh, work in the ministry and train, train those pastors in the field. But the Lord finds it fit to take him home. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a gain in heaven, but perhaps lost to us. But again, God is in control. He is the one that decides. It is the Lord that will decide. Our life here on earth is very short. That's why we cannot really waste it. We cannot waste our time. Anytime God would call us home, the question is, are you ready? Yeah. Are we ready to face the Lord Jesus Christ when he calls us home? Remember, the Lord saved you and the Lord wants to use you for the salvation of others. Because if you are saved today, you, you are a debtor. You owe someone. Those people that are not saved, you owe them salvation. It is our responsibility um, to share the gospel to them. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse number 18. When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die. Ezekiel 3, 18. When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die. And thou, now refer to you and me, you, Christian, givest him not warning to warn the wicked from his wicked way. To change his life. To save his life. The same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at thine hand. You see, God is making you responsible. Responsible for the souls of the people around you. Maybe your workmates. Maybe your boss. Maybe your employees. Or maybe your your. Loved ones, maybe your husband, maybe your wife, maybe your children, maybe your parents, maybe your cousins, maybe your classmates. Whoever they are that, that is in contact with you, you have the responsibility to them. That is what that verse says. When I say unto the wicked, the person that has not Christ in his heart, the person that will, soon will die and go to hell, that person is wicked in the sight of God. He, he, he might not be so evil in his ways. He might be, you know, a, a, a good person, a good neighbor, a, a good husband, a good wife. He might be a good provider to his family, but he has no Christ in his heart. That person will die and go to hell because the only thing that can escape us from hell, all of us deserve hell, but the only thing that can make us escape hell is Jesus Christ. Yeah. He's the only 
person that can save us. Now, if that person is good in our sight, but God has different view. And it is God who will make a decision. And the decision of God is based on His Son, Jesus Christ. When I say unto the wicked, that wicked might not be wicked in your eyes. He might be a good librarian. He might be a good, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, a person that, uh, uh, you know, helping you in countdown. Uh, he might be a good person that's, uh, you know, but in the sight of God, is wicked if he doesn't have Christ. When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die. You cannot escape. You will go to hell. You cannot escape. But you, Christian, you are saved. You have escaped. You have escaped. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter chapter three, verse number uh, chapter two, verse number three. Hebrews chapter two, verse number three. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was preached unto us by them that heard him, confirmed unto us by them that heard him? That is what Jesus Christ is telling us. Go back to Ezekiel chapter three, verse number eighteen. When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die. And thou, Christian, givest him not warning. You are not opening your mouth because you are afraid that you might be called religious. You don't want to be called religious. You don't want to be, you know, part of this Bible thing and, and people will mock you and your office mates and your schoolmates. Uh, will 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 brand you as a, a a bigot. You don't want that. You don't want to be named Christian. You don't want to be known as Christian. You just want to be a silent Christian. My friend, if you will do that, you will face a very big embarrassment in the time to come with the Lord Jesus. You will face. Uh, now you have you have a choice. Do you want to be embarrassed? Do you you don't want to be embarrassed by your friends. But you allow yourself to be embarrassed in the, in the presence of the Lord Jesus, you make a choice. You make a choice. He said, And thou, Christian, givest him that warning, to, uh, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way, to save his life. The same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Time will come that you will face the Lord Jesus when you come before his presence. Maybe with a smile in your with a smile in your face, but the Lord Jesus Christ might be frowning. Because when God looks at you, your hands will be dripping with blood. Blood dripping from your hand. Maybe the blood of your closest friend. Maybe the blood of your relatives, your cousins, yeah, the blood of your parents, the blood of your perhaps your children. The blood of your spouse, your wife, or your husband. Bloods are dripping from your hand. And the Lord Jesus, as you come before him, sees you from afar and blood's dripping. Why? Because you don't want to be named. And these people that you are afraid of, they are, it's either they will go to hell or they will be facing Jesus Christ themselves. And they will be embarrassed themselves if they are saved. If they are not saved, they will be in hell. And these are the people that you are afraid. My friend, I realized this in my life. Why should, be I, uh, why should I be afraid of these people? No matter if they are lawyers, they are, they are doctors, they are uh, uh, politicians. If they don't have Christ, they will be in pain. They, they, they will be pitiful. I'm not maybe, you know, uh, in comparison to them, perhaps they, may be, they might be very um, um, known and popular people and I, we are nobody, but I will tell you, their popularity here is nothing. So therefore, we, you should not be afraid of them. When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and givest him that warning, thou givest him that warning, to warn the wicked from his wicked way, to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will require thine hand. But, uh, there's a but. Verse 19. If thou wilt warn, if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not, you, you give him tracks. I think I have a lot of tracks in me. 
give him tracks. And then you will warn the person from his wickedness. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming. Just warn him. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming. You better, you know, rectify your ways. The Lord Jesus is coming. Warn the person. And he will not listen to you. And for sure, many of, many of them will not listen. But if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. The Lord will, will, you have done your part. You owe him nothing anymore. But if you have not warned the person, you owe him something. You are saved, you are bound to go to heaven, and this person will go to hell, you owe him something. You have to warn the person, and then you owe him no more. You see, our life here is very short. Anytime the Lord will come. But are we ready? Second, Second Corinthians 35, verse number 17. Second Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, that's you and me, we are now in Christ. So we have jobs to do. If you are saved, you have you know, responsibilities to do. If you are not saved, then no problem. <laughs> you, are, you are not part of this. You have no responsibility towards the souls of men. But if you believe that you are saved, then you are responsible to the souls of men. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God. Who had reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Now notice this. This phrase is very tough. And had given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Jesus Christ came here and reconciled the world to God. And Jesus Christ left earth. And went back to heaven and left this job to us. Yep. You and I are expected to do this job in behalf of Jesus Christ. He said here, Who had reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and God had given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them, and had committed unto us, notice this, committed unto us, if you are saved, God has given to us this, committed unto us, the ministry of the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. We are God's chosen people. You and I are God's chosen people to bear witness of the gospel to those who are lost, to those who are, you know, uh, lost and, 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 and people in darkness. We are made ambassadors. Of, we are representing the kingdom of God in heaven. We are placed in this earth as ambassadors of Christ, for Christ. Whether we like it or not, we have jobs to do. We are commissioned to go and reconcile the lost and dying world and, and, to, and to God. And you cannot perform that task when, when you are dead. When you died, you cannot perform this task. Only those, you know, people on earth, saved people can do this. Because you cannot win souls in heaven. We can win souls here on earth. The place of service is here. Each one of us is given the opportunity to serve God. And the time and opportunity is now. Is right here and right now. Why? Because you do not know when your life will be over. Only God knows. He is the one that is in control of life and death. I want to, I want to be alive for maybe the next 70 years. But I cannot figure it out. And I do not have the power to do that. Because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter, chapter 9 verse 27, It is appointed unto man once to die. 
And after this, but after this, the judgment, it is our appointment. When, when God calls us to do His work today, many people will say no. Many Christians would say no. But time will come that He would call us home and by that appointed time, you cannot say no. <laughs> when God calls you home, you cannot say no. Yeah. Life here on earth should, should not be lived only for the present. Your life should not only be lived for the present as though there were no future. You may be 90 years old. You may reach 90 years old. You may reach 100 years old. You may reach 110 or more. But the reality is life at its longest is still brief. Life at its longest is still short and uncertain. And you see, my friend, let us be conscious about the brevity of time, brevity of our life. Because like Moses, he said in, in Psalm chapter 90, verse number 12, he said that, teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Lord, teach me, Lord, that my time is very short. I cannot waste it with computer games. <laughs> I cannot waste it with, with you know, uh, um, anything that is not productive. My friend, our time is short. But our God cannot be controlled by time. With Him, there is no past. With God, there is no future. It's all present with Him. Because He's not inside time, He's outside time. Everything as though it is happening in the present. He sees the end from the, from the beginning. Right now, He knows what's going to happen. Centuries from here or millennia from here. And the Lord cannot be startled. The Lord cannot be surprised. The Lord cannot be shocked by anything that comes to pass. Amen. We are shocked. I am shocked. But God is not shocked. He knows it. You see, the acknowledgement that God is eternal, the acceptance of the brevity of man's life. I will just fast forward this. Number three, the awfulness of man's sin. It's awful. Why? Because sin ignites the anger of God. The anger of God at sin consumes man in his wrath. You heard me before, and even now I still will say, you heard me this once before, that God hates sin, but love loves the sinner. And I will stand on that statement, because that is true. God loves the sinner, but hates the sin. But again, saying that statement, my friend, is not for you to take sin lightly. Oh, pastor, I, I'm a sinner, but thank God, uh, God loves me. I know, I know, uh, you are a sinner, and, and thank God that He loves you, and that is true. But, now tell me, tell me, after God's judgment, who will be sent to hell? Your sin or yourself? <laughs> My friend, the answer to that is that the sinner is sent to hell. Yeah. That is the reality. Yeah. And you see, sin angered God and it still angers Him. That is the reason why He covered His ears, He covered His eyes upon the cry of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. At the cross, when his son cried, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He covered his ear, he covered his eyes. Because of your sin, that's upon the body of Jesus Christ. He, sin angered God. He hates sin and, and, and the presence of it. But thank God, the Lord Jesus Christ took care of that problem of sin. And our sins are washed away. Separated from us as far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed his, our sins from us. But after our salvation, after our salvation, we ought to be God's holy people. We ought to be God's people. God meant it that we ought to be holy in his sight as his chosen people. First Peter chapter 2, verse number 9. But you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood, 
and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who had called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but now are the people of God, uh, which in time past have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, Peter said, Dearly beloved, I beseech you, I beg you, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 14, 1 Peter 1.14, As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which had called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 10, But, as, but the day of the Lord, 2 Peter 3.10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burnt up. The works, everything, all the buildings you can see here, these will be ashes. The things that uh, you, the works that are therein shall be burnt up, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be? In, in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire, so it starts with heaven, the Lord will destroy that heaven. The heavens will be on fire, and, and he said, um, being dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. You see, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all manner, not part, in all holy conversation and godliness. Again, no one, my friend, no one can measure God's wrath. We do not know. We can imagine, but we do not really know the extent of God's wrath upon this earth when all the Christians will be taken away and all the unbelievers will be here. And all those who reject God will be left here. We cannot understand and we cannot, we don't have idea how the Lord will, will, will destroy and judge these nations and this world. No one can measure the, God, the, 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 the wrath of God. In Psalm 90 verse 11, Psalm 90 verse 11, Who knoweth the power of thine anger, Moses said, Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. Man is incapable of measuring God's wrath or the demonstration of God's anger. The wrath of God is poured out upon sin and, be, and, and is beyond measure or explanation. We ought to be mindful about this. We ought to be mindful about God's word. We ought to be um, uh, mindful or honoring God's word. And we ought not to forget God's word. That's a problem with us. We forget God's word. Psalm 9 verse 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell. And all nations that forget God, all nations that forget God. Psalm 50 verse number 22. Psalm chapter 50 verse 22. Now consider this. So God is speaking to people who forget God. I hope that you have not forgotten God. Because if you have forgotten God uh, yesterday and the other day and the previous week, uh, this, this word is for you. <laughs> Now consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces and there be none to deliver. But my friend, we have a very merciful God. Amen. Our God is merciful and that is why this Psalm, chapter 90, also anticipates God's mercy. Towards the end, you can find God's mercy. In verse number 13 to, towards verse number 17, it says, Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. Oh, satisfy us early with thy mercy, and we may that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us, 
And the years wherein we have seen evil, let thy work appear unto thy servants and and the glory unto thy children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. And establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. Wow, what a prayer of Moses. What a blessing there that you can find that there is an anticipation of God's mercy. Despite of the, of the dreadfulness of God, the terribleness of God. But God is merciful. This is a sincere prayer for mercy and instruction. And this is a request for happiness. This is uh, uh, Moses' request in the midst of sorrow. A holiness in the midst of evil. And you see, a prayer for the glory of God. He said, let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. My friend, when we come to church, this is the beauty of God. When we think about God, when we think about the goodness of God in our hearts, individually, severely, then you will see the beauty of God will flourish. You see, a plea for the glory of God to be manifested. The psalmist here knew that this is the way to gain God's favor. Glorify God. Honor the Lord in your life and the Lord will bless you. You see, establish the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. What a pleading. What a pleading. And God, His heart will melt in this. The heart of God will melt upon the pleadings of His people. Do you plead God in your, in your need? Do you ask God? Have you, you know, uh, experienced God's mercy? I will tell you, my friend, our God is very soft. If you come to Him with humility of your heart, our, the heart of our God is very soft. He will answer your prayer and He will answer it speedily. What is the work of God in your life that you want to be established? Is there any work of God in your life that you want to be strengthened? Ask it from the Lord, and He will bless you, and He will answer you. Let's bow in prayer. Our Father in heaven, Lord, what a beautiful uh, passage of Scripture here in Psalm 90. What a pleading, what a beautiful prayer request. Establish, Lord, the work upon us. The work of our hands, establish thou it. Lord, help our people, O God. Whatever um, things, Lord, that you ask them to do and they're doing it, Lord, please establish it in their hands. Strengthen, Lord, and sustain them, O God. Because we need you, O God. We need you, Lord, every day. Please, Lord, establish the work and bless your people. Whatever desire that they have right now, Lord, please, Lord, answer their prayers and help them, O God, so that they will rejoice in you and they will continue to serve you, Lord. Bless your people once again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's stand and we'll sing our closing hymn. In my heart there rings a melody. Number 228, in my heart there rings a melody.